Welcome to Far and Beyond Oregon True Crime, where we explore strange, bizarre, and crazy true crime stories from Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Stacy, And I'm your co-host, Valerie. Alright, how are you this week, Valerie? I'm good. I'm a little cold. <laughs> it's kind of cold. It's a little chilly. Like, this weekend, Sunday was absolutely beautiful, and then the weather turned gross, and now it's like freezing, and I'm wearing sweaters, and yeah. Yeah, the rain was super on and off. I've been dog-sitting, so I've been going out on walks a lot, and I bring my umbrella, and I, like, have to open it and close it and open it and close it. <laughs> it's your arm workout <laughs> while you do your leg workout. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and we have a special guest with us today. We have Fred the dog. <laughs> he is going to be uh, assisting us and letting us know if we're doing a good job. Um, is he going to bark if we're doing a bad job? <laughs> I hope not, but... <laughs> He is glaring at me intently because I am not petting him at the moment. So, there is that. Alright, so. Where are we going this week? We are going to be in southern Oregon in about the 70s. Okay. Groovy times. (laughs) Um, So I've heard. (laughs) So what is your favorite thing to do in the whole wide world? Hiking. So, there's a little bit of hiking in this story. Okay. Your second favorite thing? Backpacking? <laughs> That's the same <laughs> thing as hiking. That's a little different. <laughs> okay. Third favorite thing? Um, gold training? That's in the story as well. <laughs> so, the story is full of Hobby. things Valerie likes. Um, I'm trying to think about things outside I like. <laughs> I'm thinking it's outside. Yeah, it is outside. And even if they weren't outside, those are still like your top three things. <laughs> Um, so, the, the woods can be a great, peaceful, serene place, but for the family in our story, a simple camping trip into the woods turned out to be a deadly experience. The Cowden family was a family of four. They lived in White City, Oregon, which is around, uh, was in Eastern Oregon, not Eastern Oregon, Southern I'm sorry, Oregon? Southern Oregon. It's kind of near, um, Medford area. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was, uh, Richard, who was 28 and a log truck driver, uh, Belinda, 22, and she kind of stayed home with the kids and tended her vegetable garden, did the things that normal Oregonians do. <laughs> and then David, their five-year-old son, and Melissa, their five-month-old daughter. <clears throat> so it was Labor Day weekend, and as we do in Oregon on Labor Day weekend, we either do home projects or we go camping. <laughs> Fishing and hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so they actually planned a home project. They were going to regravel their driveway, and they, da- not David, Richard was going to borrow his boss's gravel truck, but the truck broke down. So they changed their plans and decided to go camping in Copper, Oregon instead. Do you know where Copper, Oregon no, is? No, is that nearby where they were? It's, it's nearby. It's not too far away. It's also southern Oregon. Um, it actually doesn't exist anymore. So it's kind of like a ghost town? It, it's under a lake. Oh. <laughs> what happened there? Well, in 1980, they decided to um, dam it up, I think is what happened. And then they mm-hmm. made the Applegate Lake. So where Applegate Lake is, is where Copper Oregon used to be. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard of the Applegate Trail or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's along there. Yeah. 
So it's about a mile north of California, so it's like right there mm-hmm. on the Oregon-California border. Um, so they plan to leave and come back, of course, Monday because it was a holiday. And on the way back, they were going to stop by Melinda's mom's house. And her mom's name was Rose Grayson. Um, when Monday, September 1st came around and it was dinner time and the family didn't show up. So Rose drove down to Copper and for some reason she took the Copper store owner with her. I don't know if she knew him. She lived in Copper. So I'm guessing she probably knew him. His name was Guy Watkins and they went to search for the family. Probably a small town. They kind of knew each other. Yeah, it was very small town (laughs) from the sound of it. Um, so they found Richard's truck up by the road and went down to the campsite and saw no signs of the family other than their camping gear everywhere where it should be. Like it wasn't in disarray. There wasn't like a bear attack them or mm-hmm. anything like that. There were no signs of anything. So they searched in the area until early morning and when they couldn't find the family, they called the police. Um, the police arrived. They found the site pretty much, like I said, untouched. There was like dishwater in the dish pans. Uh, there was milk sitting on the table. The fishing poles were leaned against a tree. Um, Richard's wallet was there, mm-hmm. and Belinda's purse. They found a torn blouse, but they kind of mentioned that it could have been used as a dish rag, which is yeah. kind of weird. But I feel like that's kind of normal. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I guess it could be. Um, they also found David, the the little boy's shoes. Mm-hmm. And Melissa's diapers. Mm-hmm. And as a mom, I know you don't go anywhere without the kids' diapers. Yeah. <laughs> or so, shoes. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I mean, they're in the woods. I could see him not wearing his shoes around. My kids seem to turn feral when we go to the woods and they lose their shoes. And, of course, their diapers, too, sometimes. Uh-huh. So, I, maybe. <laughs> I forgot. Was the truck here at this time? Or like yeah, the, the truck was just up on the road. So their campsite was down from the road. Okay. So they kind of hiked in a little bit to the campsite, but the truck was nearby. Yeah. So that was still there. Um, they had clothes folded up on the cots. Um, their um, food was still on the table. So it was just kind of like some of the police were quoted as saying it was super eerie because it's yeah. like you just stepped into a moment that was frozen. It's really strange. Yeah. Um, their dog, Droopy cutest name ever. He's a basset (laughs) hound and he is also missing. Um, but actually that Monday morning he showed up five miles away and the police think that he may have actually tried to either follow the family or he was with them and Mm -hmm. thrown from the car or they're kind of speculating everything at this point, but the dog seems to be okay. Did they use that to try and find the family? Um, yeah, they kind of searched the area where the dog was, the direction the dog went, thinking he was following them. Mm-hmm. Um, the searchers began searching and about within three days they expanded their search to 25 miles um, radius around the campsite. Um, and this area was a lot of logging roads and a lot of old gold mines sunk yeah. into the ground. Kind of like BLM land where we go gold mining at. Yeah. Very much. So there was lots of area to cover, lots of places. I mean, a kid could have fallen in, and then the parents fell in, and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So they, they searched a lot of the old mines. Um, they even had a clairvoyant minister point to a spot on a map where the family was going to be found. <laughs> they weren't there. Whoa. <laughs> I know. I was so hopeful when I, I was like, clairvoyant minister, yeah. Uh, he's wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, so they had things like that. I mean, they really they didn't desperate. have any leads. Yeah, they were yeah. desperate. You can tell. I mean, they they got a clairvoyant minister. <laughs> um, Rose said that nothing was missing except for the family swimsuits and the family. Which is really weird that she knows exactly what they have with them. Yeah, is she sure they bought their swimsuits? Yeah, so they're speculating. Um, Richard and David were last seen um, Sunday morning. Oh, no, sorry. Monday morning at the Copper Store. They were buying a quart of milk, and they walked back to the site. And it was about a mile, mile and a half from the campsite, from what I can tell. And that's just kind of doing basic Google mapping about (laughs) where it would be. Yeah. Because um, it doesn't exist anymore. Police speculated that David had returned with the milk. Family had probably, you know, ate breakfast and then went swimming. And likely was abducted around noon that day. And they're thinking it was probably at gunpoint. The whole family? The whole family. Which is kind of crazy. That's crazy. I go camping around there sometimes. <laughs> hey, watch out. Yeah, I should. <laughs> so the National Guard was also called in to assist on Saturday. So this is almost a week. So we're about five days into the search for them. They're called in to assist. By September 9th, so eight days later, the police called off the searches. And they started following more investigative leads like people being called in um they sent the wallet and the torn blouse for testing but there was no word on if anything came from that Mm -hmm. um the sleeping bags were tested and no blood was found on them they took aerial photos and found nothing but i mean it's the 1970s aerial photos yeah so it's not like today's satellite i can see everything pictures so, I mean, they probably weren't going to find anything unless it was obvious. They even used Droopy the dog as a bloodhound mm-hmm. to try and find the family. I don't know why. That's not the worst idea. <laughs> They're desperate. He's not trained. <laughs> Get a trained dog. I mean, that's my only stipulation. He smell like. <laughs> <laughs> he does know. I think they were thinking maybe he's followed them before, so maybe he'll lead us back where he went. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't. <clears throat> The case actually went cold for two months, and the family reached out um, via the editorial pages and asked hunters that were going out in the area just to keep an eye open for the family's remains at this point. They kind of figured Mm -hmm. they're not going to find them alive. Yeah. Who took the dog? Uh, They didn't say. (laughs) I have no idea where the dog went. After he failed to find the family, I, I don't know. Maybe he went to Rose. <laughs> maybe, maybe Rose took him. Um, I know Richard had family, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, in November of 1974, a man named James A. Doan was suspected in the murders, or the disappearance. Um, it, on August 30th of that year, of 74, he killed a man in a bar fight in Eureka, California, which is about 98 miles away. So, this is two days before. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a warrant issued for his arrest on September 7th. When he was caught, he was convicted of second degree murder. So they gave him a polygraph. Um, 
on the Cowdens, thinking that maybe he knew what happened to them. That polygraphs um, worked back then. <laughs> they swore by them back then. Um, but he passed it. He served seven years for the murder of the man, the second degree murder. Um, he was actually paroled in 1982 and shortly after was shot in the back of the head outside of a cafe. He kind of had a very sad existence, I feel like. Was he like shot? He died then? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, he was, he went to break up a fight that it wasn't actually a fight. It was like two guys. And he threw a rock at one of the guys and hit him in the face. So the guy went and got his AR-15 and sprayed the parking lot and hit him twice. Ooh. Yeah. So, so the person they suspect is dead right now? Yes, he died in 1982. Um, police suspected him because the murder took place around the same time as the other murder. Okay. And he hiked along the highway near there. That's that's kind of their only yeah. connection. I'm like, it's kind of... That's kind of loosely based. It's, it's weak. Yeah. So they actually are trying to link the Cowden disappearance with the murder of another guy from... Um, I don't know how to say this. Arcata, California, who was actually found in Grants Pass, Oregon, which is very close to Medford and that area. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was Ed, Edward Bergstrom. And there wasn't much on him other than he was killed on September 1st between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. So this would have been before the Cowdens. And he was shot in the head and his truck was found 8 to 12 miles away on fire. That's all I found out about him. I never found out if it was solved or if they linked it fully. They just assumed they were the linked because they took place around the same time again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think is a good basis of linking murders. Hey, it yeah. happened <laughs> around the same time and they're kinda close. So let's <laughs> let's let's say this this is together. Let's We're gonna circle that. Try. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like I don't know but it... Okay. Um so they had another suspect, um, Paul John Knowles. I didn't find much about him other than his timeline didn't add up. He just kind of, he, he went, he killed some people and then was maybe by Rogue River Valley on the 7th and 8th of September. Mm-hmm. So he could have been in the area before that. And then he was in Indiana and then he was in Florida and yeah, it was, he was all over the place. Um, but he ended up dying. Um, he was shot by police trying to escape. So they said there was a lot of speculation on that, though. Mm-hmm. So he's no longer a suspect. They cleared him. <laughs> In December of 1974, Richard's father was becoming very despondent and actually committed suicide. They don't know if it was because of the death of Richard and the family and the turmoil that caused, or he was also having issues with his wife at the time. So this family just has, like, tragedy upon tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. So, April 1975, so we're not quite a year into it, um, their bodies have been found. So, how long have they not been found? Seven months. So, about seven months later. They're found six and a half miles from the campsite. That's a ways. 
Well, they searched 25 miles around the campsite. <laughs> and what were they doing? Who found them? So it was actually two prospectors. Two people who had heard there was gold in the mountains of Oregon <laughs> and decided to go prospecting. wonder where they heard that from. <laughs> right. They said they spoke to a resident somewhere that said, yeah, there's gold up in the Applegate, Va- up Applegate County. You should go, uh, go check it out. And they had been panning all day and decided they were only finding flakes that they could pick up with tweezers, they said. So they were like, "This is there's got to be some better way to get gold. <clears throat> yeah. So they started hiking around because um, they heard that the gold could be unsettled by like falling tree roots, like pushing out the gold from the earth. And yeah. So they decided to walk around the hills and they started finding um, agates, or no, quartz. And they heard a lot of quartz up there. Yeah, they're like quartz kind of go with gold. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay. So they started looking at that. Did One you, of them. Sorry, you could break open quartz and then inside of that, inside the, they have seams of gold sometimes. Okay, so maybe that's what they were talking about. They yeah. were gathering up the quartz and they were kind of looking around the same areas mm-hmm. too. So as he was doing this, he tripped over a tree branch, fell, and found himself face to face with a skull. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah. That's like every horror movie ever. Right. <laughs> So instead of, he decided he really didn't want to go back to camp, so he, they actually saw a trooper, ran up and tried to get him, but he had already left and then came back somehow. And so anyways, they notified the police, they found this body. Mm -hmm. Um, It was found on a hillside and it was previously searched by it, but not up the hill where they were. Mm -hmm. And because it was like a 60 to 70% grade and no one wanted to go up it. I'm guessing that's a good grade you hike, so you kind of... Yeah. It's kind of a pretty steep. It's very steep. They got some steep hills around there. So the other three bodies were found about 200 yards away from the first body, and they were in a cave. And this cave had been covered with stones and stuff, so you couldn't see it at first, Mm -hmm. but time had washed a lot of that away, and they looked inside and saw the skeletal remains. Metal detectors were used in hopes of finding a murder weapon, I guess at first they thought it was a um, murder-suicide. Yeah. That he had killed his family, balled them up, and then killed himself. But then there's no weapon, so... Yeah. That, and there was no history to back it up. The family wasn't really having troubles. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, police speculated that a vehicle was likely used to move the bodies, given the distance it was. I mean, you can't walk with a five-year-old and a five-month-old six miles. I know this from experience. <laughs> can barely walk two miles. Yeah. So, um, they speculated a vehicle was used to move them. Um, Richard's death was, cause of death was unknown, but police speculated that he was shot. They just didn't have anything to prove it because it was just bones at this point and there were no markings on the bones. Okay. Um, Belinda and David, the five-year-old, were both shot in the head execution style um and melissa the baby died from severe head injuries they don't know from what so they think she wasn't shot or were her skulls just too small to tell um i don't think there were any signs of her being shot it was just severe trauma like she'd been hit in the head Mm -hmm. yeah um over 300 people attended the cowden family memorial community was super involved in this because I mean it's been uh, 
seven months, eight months, and this family was a big part of the community. They camped there all the time. And then the outpouring, like, the people that searched, it was, like, the um, forest rangers, the police, the sheriffs. The, um, they had a motorcycle club come and search. They had residents searching. And even after the police called it off, the family and the residents still went out and searched. And it's four people. That's yeah. To cover up. It's a huge family. I mean, a huge piece of a community just ripped out of there. Mm-hmm. Police at this time started seeking a family from California that may have may have had contact with the Cowden family before their death. It was a family of five. They had two kids and a baby. The husband was a computer programmer from what they could find out. He talked to a resident there. So the resident was vaguely able to remember um the couple was in their 20s or 30s and the kids the two kids had biblical names that's all they had to go on (laughs) um i thought somewhere i had found that they had found this couple and they had talked to them but i couldn't refine that article again so i can't say for sure that they did um but the public actually once this description was released took it to mean they were suspects And started calling in on their neighbors saying, well, I think they killed them and I think these guys killed them. And the police had to clarify, they're not suspects. They just may have talked to them before they died. We just need to know where the family's state of mind was and all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So most people subscribe to the school of thought that Dwayne Little killed the family. Um, He was a suspect who was never charged, but he was... um, Highly suspicious, I guess would be the word. Yeah. Police were, um, were, were almost certain he did it, but there was no evidence. Uh, when he was 16, no, he was 17 years old in 1966, he raped and killed a 16-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Went to prison for it. Mm-hmm. And he was paroled in 1974 after a lot of protests from law enforcement. He said, you can't let this guy out. I mean... And his doctors said, he's 17. He's not going to do it again. Yeah. 17, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, he's young, but, I mean... That's too soon. Yeah, yeah, and he only served... He he didn't even serve 10 years. Mm -hmm. But because he was underage, and his doctor said he was better, he wouldn't hurt anybody else. Um, he was released. So he was released in 74, around the same time the Cowdens went missing. A little bit before that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, him and his parents were actually seen in the area the day they went missing and the day after. Where were they at, do you know? They were um, in Copper. Um, I, I believe I read somewhere, now that I can't remember it, that they were actually seen near their campsite. And I want to say it was the California couple that said that. But like I said, I can't remember where that article was and I can't reread it. But, um, yeah, so him and his parents were seen. To me, that makes a lot of sense because you have a huge family. I mean, it's four people, but still it's a lot to, to wrangle up for one person. Even if you have a gun, Mm -hmm. I could see three people doing that. Mm -hmm. I could see two people doing that. Um, his mother actually owned a gun matching the gun that could have been used in the killings. There's a lot of this 
it could have been this because it kind of matches stuff going on with this case because there's just no evidence. They didn't find any bullets that we know of. They only had the bullet holes. I mean, so much speculation because there's just no evidence. If yeah. they had found them sooner, mm-hmm. we would have known more. Yeah, their bodies were all decayed. You couldn't find anything. Yeah, unfortunately, that put a really big damper on the case. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually searched their truck because they thought maybe it could have been used to move the bo- move the family. I don't know if at that point it was bodies, but... Um, and found that it was meticulously clean. Did they find any keys or anything in the truck? No, they didn't find anything. It was, like, immaculate. Which, for a rural county... A rural country truck, it's very odd for it to be immaculate with nothing. Because people in those areas use their trucks. Yeah. They don't leave them nice and pretty. They they throw stuff in the back. They, you know, they hunt. They didn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they He was never charged. Neither were his parents. In fact, nobody was charged. He went back to jail on a weapons charge in 1975, was paroled again in 1977, and in 1980, he was convicted of rape and attempted murder again. Again. Yeah. So, he's back in prison. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, he was their final suspect. No one has come up with any evidence in the Cowden family disappearance. Nobody's come forward. That's kind of where the police have had to leave it because they just have nothing to go on. Yeah. They thought for a while that maybe they fell into a, the river and drowned. And once the bodies were found... Um, I swear I read somewhere that he was actually tied to a tree. Richard was. Mm -hmm. But, again, I can't remember where I read that, and I read so many things that I could be confused. But it's just... It's baffling. And it has to be someone that knows the area because of how crisscrossing the logging roads get to know there's a cave there to hide the bodies. Yeah, it's and not like they had apps back then like we have now where we can just look at all the logging roads. Exactly. They had to know how to get back there and out. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. they didn't say anything about any like tire tracks or anything like that so I don't know if that was found. Didn't uh, Richard work in logging himself? Yeah, he did. He was a log truck driver. And maybe it could have been someone he worked with or knew from that, because they wouldn't know the logging roads. That is, that is a possibility, and they would have known the family was out there. Mm-hmm. But it would have had to have been someone with a grudge, and they just couldn't find any, I mean, I guess they didn't have to have a grudge, and they just lost it and decided, I'm gonna... Easy target. Yeah. I just need to kill somebody. You guys are out in the middle of the woods. It's just, uh, totally strange that they would, that there's just nothing. Mm-hmm. And now it's all covered in water, so you can't even go look at the crime scene anymore, which, I mean, it's been how many years that nothing's going to be there anymore. But, yeah, I feel like somebody needs to come forward and be like, okay, this guy talked to me this one time and told me this, because I'm sure whoever did it has told somebody. Mm -hmm. And there was a, um, another prisoner who said that Dwayne Little actually confessed the crime to him. But he also said another guy did confess another crime, and that was inaccurate. <laughs> so I don't know how well we can t- trust him. Yeah. But, I mean, he was kind of a jailhouse snitch. 
he ended up getting stabbed in jail and I probably because he was a snitch but (laughs) yeah I it's just there's I don't like that this one's unsolved. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there needs to be an ending, especially because there's kids involved, Mm -hmm. and it's just, I feel like it needs, I need to know what happens. Yeah, it's a whole family. That's sad. Police are, are like, almost 99% sure that Little did it. But, like I said, they couldn't convict him, and his parents weren't talking, so. Yeah, so that is the story of the Cowden family, and their... They're not so great camping trip. So you need to be careful when you go camping, Valerie, alone in your car. <laughs> Ugh. I can't wait till you can carry a handgun because you're going to carry one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's funny because I, I carry and my daughter will, like, even when I'm not carrying, I'll, I'll tell her we need to go to the bathroom with me. And I'm like, oh, I need to take my purse because I don't leave my purse places. And we'll get to the bathroom and she'll go, is it because you have your gun? <laughs> I'm like, no, honey. I just, I need to take my purse with me because it has my money in it. <laughs> she's, she's very concerned that I do carry. She, she knows gun safety. Both my kids do. And they know not to touch them. They know they're not toys. They know that they're for me to be able to protect them, but yeah, it's it's hilarious. She's the first time she saw it in my purse, we were in the bathroom <laughs> and she as loud as she can, Mom, why do you have a gun? I'm like, Shh <laughs> Let's not tell the whole world. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Kids. Yeah, but you have your license. <laughs> I'm like, because I, I I'm can. It's just in case somebody tries to hurt you or your sister or me or dad, I'm allowed to carry it because I've passed my classes and I've done every step that I'm supposed to do. And yeah, so I'm trying to explain that to a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, she's something else. The, yesterday, we had this weekend dyed my oldest daughter's hair. So it was a process. Thursday night we bleached it and I had to end up bleaching a couple parts again Friday night and then Saturday we colored it. And then Sunday night came around and my six-year-old says, Sissy, aren't you going to finish your hair? She goes, no, it's finished. And my six-year-old goes, oh. (laughs) With that one word, my 14-year-old's confidence was dashed. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's so mean. <laughs> it doesn't by any means look bad either. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, so those are the antics I live with with my kids. <laughs> Ending the story on a lighter note, hopefully. I do not know what's up next week. I think I might do another unsolved one. Are you sure you can handle it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm such a control freak. I just need to know. I'm like, can the police just turn over their files so I can know what's in them? I just, I just I'm not going to tell anybody. I just need to know. There's so many cases like that where I'm just like, I just, I just want to know. Well, I hope you all have a great week and we will be back next week with another bizarre and strange story from the Pacific Northwest.